The winemakers are up next, but first, check out this other great show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Destination Eat Drink. I'm Brent Peterson, and this week on the podcast, we're in Venice, Italy, with all the best places to visit. Give me a name of one place that you really like that's maybe... Oh, that's, that's asking inside information. See what I pry out of Monica. Download Destination Eat Drink today on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. From the birthplace of modern winemaking, Sonoma, California, welcome to the winemakers. Local experts Sam Katuri, Bart Hansen, and Brian Casey, along with host John Myers, invite you to listen in as they discuss all facets of winemaking. So sit back, pour yourself a glass, and let's hear what the guys have to say this week. Hey, welcome to the winemakers. This is Brian Casey. We got Sam Katuri with us pouring a little bit of uh, 1600 uh, rosé right there. Starting this is this... The, the 19 kosher. Wow, rolling right out of bed into a bottle of rosé. <laughs> and we got Bart Hansen. Um, Danny Fay has joined us on the show today because we got a special guest. We got MJ Towler, who is AKA the Black Wine Guy on Instagram, who I have been following for a little bit and have. Um, you know, he's he's one of those ones that you follow that you start looking at the wines and go, okay, this is not your normal wine drinker. This guy is like us. Like when you start seeing some of the labels that he's drinking, it's not stuff that he's buying at the store. So I was really curious to see where he was getting these wines, especially being on the East Coast and drinking things like Saxum, Turtle Rock, Albin, like he's in our wheelhouse of the, the Rhone lovers. Saxum, then, still waiting. Still waiting yeah. for that email, Bart? I, I, I guess it's going to be another seven years. Yeah. <laughs> it's all right. Well, I, can't afford, I can't afford it anyway. So it's all right. I know. You know, Sandra is still on the waiting list for Synclonon, and, and she's been like the person of the year for the, for the, for the festival. So uh, <laughs> it just takes a while. So, MJ, welcome to the show. This is uh, uh, a pleasure to have you joining us from the East Coast. How are you doing? Oh, I'm well. Thank you for having me. This is really, really cool. Um, really appreciate being here. Uh, you know, um, I'm a wine geek. You know, I used to, I lived in Santa Barbara. So that's why, why you see a lot of that Central Coast stuff. Yeah. And the plan was when I moved out there in 99, um, basically I was like, well, it was, y remember Y2K? <laughs> yeah. The end yeah. of the world was coming. I was like, all right, well, might as well move to California if the end of the world's coming. Um, but uh, yeah, the plan was actually to um, go over, you know, leave Santa Barbara proper, go over the hill into the valley and, and maybe make some wine. So I feel kind of kindred here, but I just liked um, drinking uh, and partying and girls too much to actually go over the hill to San Inez. It was just too nice down in Santa Barbara proper. So. <laughs> Well, and how did you first get into wine? Like what, I, you know, you sent me your bio. It's kind of just a brief little thing saying you, um, you know, I'll let you, I'll let you tell us. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've worked in all levels, retail, um, wholesale, um, and auctions and, uh, whatever, ever level there is probably there. Um, and I got into wine because, um, because of a girl, like most of us did. Right. Um, <laughs> I uh, was lucky enough to, I dated this woman in college um, and uh, one of her friends was a guy. They lived in New York City. 
he was best for, he was friends with a, a guy named John Capon, whose family owns Acker Maryland Condit, which is the oldest wine store in America. It just celebrated its 200th anniversary. Wow. So me, me and John kind of hit it off and uh, we started hanging out and I had, I was in grad school at the time. I was going to law school and I said, fuck that. I knew I didn't want to be a lawyer. And John was starting to take over the family business. And he said, you know, why don't you come work with me uh, in the store and drink the finest wines in the world every night? So, yes. you know, shit. Okay. But hang on I, a second. You said that store, did I hear that correctly? The store just celebrated its 200th anniversary? 200th anniversary, yes, yes. So that means that store has been selling wine since 18, wait, since 1820? That is correct. Um, it just uh, started like in old New York, New Amsterdam. I mean, and just uh, so like dirt roads, people riding road. horses. Right, right, right. I mean, his family's only owned it since probably like the uh, 50s or so. But yeah, it's changed hands. It was it was a huge store. Actually, they had a they did a book about it. I learned more about it. You know, I mean, it, they had um, provisions on the Titanic. Uh, I mean, <laughs> you think they had clean wine? Oh God! Don't get it started, Bart. Oh my God! I'm oh. I'm just getting over that. Don't. Yeah. I don't know if you listen to that show, MJ. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I was listening. I, I saw that. I was listening to uh, the one before. I guess you know uh, Cameron Diaz, the clean wine thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Opened up a can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that that store was that was it's, it's that old. Um, and, um, and, and, you know, so this was like the fall of 97 and, you know, I'd work retail during the day and they have a, uh, tasting, uh, component called the wine workshop, which they, you know, they own the building. So right above they would have tastings and, you know, uh, so I'd work, you know, 12 hours of store. Then I'd go upstairs, pour for the tastings. And we're talking, they would have like an Obreon tasting back to, you know, like 1959. They'd have. You know, DRC tasting, they have Petrus tasting, um, you know, uh, they had uh, California Colt Cab. So, you know, there was Screaming Eagle and Harlan, um, you know, they had, you know, this was 90. So we had like the 95 and 94 Turley tasting. So, you know, I poured, I would get to taste all these wines, you know, we'd have port tastings back to like 8, 19, 28. Um, so I was really fortunate, like in my first three months, like I got this incredible wine education of just, uh, of, of being able to taste you know, the great wines of the world. So like in, you know, 1999, the Wine Spectator came out with uh, the, the 10 wines of the century. And by that point I had had eight of those 10 wines. You know oh what I mean? God. <laughs> See, and most people start off in the wine business, they're drinking, you know, $8 Riesling from Safeway and then they got to work their way up to get to access to some of those wines. Yeah, yeah. But for you yeah. to hit those right off the bat, I mean, that's, um, that's amazing. Yeah, it's, I'm very lucky. I tell people it's just luck. I mean, so much, you know, there's so much going on, but you know, it's just no matter what in this world, it, a lot of it comes down to who, you know, and that's just a fortunate thing. You know what I mean? Um, because, you know, like the, the first bottle of wine that I think was serious I ever had was a Fetzer Gewurztraminer. Uh, like when I was in law school, some girl got it and I was like, oh, I, I couldn't even pronounce it. I was like, you know, I yeah. couldn't even pronounce it. But, you know, then, you know, once I got to Acker and I was like, oh, this is pretty tasty, you know, got to Acker, I understood, you know, like you, you, the Zen Humbrex, you started understanding these, these, these different people who are producing these incredible wines, you know, from Gravercimir, you know, um, but, you know, 
you know, I, I probably, the problem with that is I probably, I not probably, I drink way above my pay grade to this day, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> and I wouldn't be able to do it without, you know, but, but, but a part of that is right. It's about who you know and it's, and, and your profession too. I mean, luckily I have access to some of those wines and have friends that make wine. So I'm able to, to, um, to take advantage of that. Now, how yeah. did you, how did you first get a, get in uh, a bottle of Hill of Tara wine? Oh, so, you know, it's very interesting. Um, this guy, Danny Faye, <laughs> sent me a DM. I, uh, what's interesting, a lot of, I'm followed by a lot of industry people, like knowledge, people, like a lot of winemakers. Um, you know, Jeb Dunnick followed me, for, uh, like when I first started, he kind of saw what I was putting out there. And I used to just do pictures of my, me holding the bottle with some notes, you know. It was just recently I started stepping out. But, um, so you know, there's a lot of winemakers who follow me. And I think you, you alluded to that. Like people can see, if you know wine, you know, you're like, this guy, is this something going on with this guy? He's not the average, you know, not trying to be an influencer or anything. You know, I just enjoy wine. So Danny was gracious enough. Danny's like, hey, I love your feed. Um, you know, uh, I'd love to send you some wine. And he sent me these two bottles, delicious wine. I was actually patient enough to wait like two weeks before I tried the first one. And I still have another bottle in the basement, you know, um, and, you know, just, I remember like having a, an Alexander, you know, a Behringer Knights Valley cab. So I was familiar with Sonoma cabs early on from Acker, but you know, what you're doing there, that particular venue you're working at, I mean, it's, it's a beautiful expression of a Cabernet Sauvignon man, and just really nice. You know, I get, I get that winemaker send me their wine. They want, they want, the people want me to taste their wine and give my feedback. You know, it's, uh, that's really cool. I, that, that's the best part for me is that um, I'm hanging with the people who, who are really behind the scenes, who really have your hands in the dirt, um, and, you know, who really li live and breathe this stuff. Now, how often does that happen where people just send you wine? Um, it, it's, it's pretty, it's been pretty, pretty, uh, since uh, COVID hit, it's been pretty, um, pretty, uh, a lot, actually, you know. Wow. I mean, <laughs> so, so what am I doing wrong? <laughs> I guess I'm not, I'm not as, um, you know, so what I like that, that you've been doing recently, and, and especially my favorite, I think, was the Turtle Rock where you've been um, 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 pairing together songs with the wine. And so for the Turtle Rock, you have the Ashford and Simpson solid as a rock. Now that, that was perfect. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's very unique what I do. I love, I love music, I love wine. And I don't know, just it came to me like uh, to start putting them together. And, and um, that, that's been a, a, a great response. People like I, um, you know, uh, Gary Farrell, they sent me um, seven bottles of Pinot, all their, you know, seven bottles of their single vineyard stuff. And I was in a wine tasting last week with uh, Teresa, who I'm sure you guys know, their winemaker. Um, and um, so I did a review for them. You know, it, you know, the, I, I took a picture of all the bottles and uh, lined them up. And it, I was posted on a Friday and I said, Friday, okay, the movie Friday, Ice Cube, okay, today's a good day. <laughs> right so i just I, I i put you know some lyrics from today's good day said a little something about the wine their response was like oh my god this is our favorite review ever you know thanks for the california love you know um <laughs> the uh uh the, the sales manager over at 100 acre uh landon patterson he was like i'm pretty sure that's the first time ice cube's ever been used to describe harry farrell wine well done right. you know? <laughs> um shit like that so um i'm just kind of I'm a geek. I'm, I'm wacky. I, you know, um, just being me. And I, I, you know, like I, I love, I love music. I love wine. So, you know, and they go together. You really think about it. I mean, there's, there's like, 
it, it, it's, um, you're composing. When you're putting together a wine, you're, you're, you're composing something. You're taking notes here, there. You're trying to express certain things. So for me, it just kind of, they kind of go together. I think that's even something that I don't remember if it's Turtle Rock or if it was, um, oh, oh, it's Lenny Coloto. I don't know if you've ever had those wines um, no, from Paso, no. but I think the winemaker actually, he, he plays certain music for certain wines while he's making them. Wow. I mean, and that's something he's very conscious about. And then we have a distiller here locally. I don't know if they're still there because they were over in the Barlow, um, but they used to put headphones on some of their tanks, like just a, put a little head and play like different types of music because they wanted it to somehow infuse into their into positive the, vibrations, man. Positive. Vibes. Yeah, yeah. Right. Right. And now Danny, how, how many other bottles I, have you sent out and how do I get on this list to, uh, to post your wine? Yeah. yeah. Every time I ask you for wine, you tell me you're sold out. That's right. <laughs> I wanted to clarify one thing here. MJ's the only person that we have ever <laughs> sent free wine to. Okay. <laughs> that's, new, that's point number one, because I don't want people thinking we're just throwing, throwing wine away. No, um, honestly. Oh, it's not throwing wine away, Danny. No, honestly, that's the truth. We've, we've only ever sent uh, bottles of wine to MJ, and specifically because of the things that Brian mentioned earlier in the podcast. You know, there's a certain level of respect you start to have with certain feeds, and you start to bond with what they're drinking, and you know, as a, as a young winemaker with a few barrels of wine, like I want him to give me the feedback because I know he's drinking the best shit out there. Yep. So if, if he can give me honest feedback, it allow me to grow. It allowed me to, to see, cause I can't afford those bottles. <laughs> It'll allow me <laughs> yeah. to, to be able to see his perspective. Um, so, you know, that was the motivation behind it. Um, and you know, it was really fun. It's, it's now led to a fun friendship. I hope MJ comes out. We can spend some time in the vineyard and, at the end of the day, I think this this entire experience really epitomizes what wine is about, and, and it's that bringing people together. You know, we're, yeah. we've never met each other in person. We don't come from different uh, backgrounds, but here we have a common bond, and we can share in it and have fun with it, and hopefully in the future get to, to do it in person. So it's really fun to see how these social media, so for as much as I hate social media and how fake right. it is and how bullshit it is, there are positives threaded through that, um, such as, as um, MJ's uh, feed and what he's got going on. And Danny, just because we know you got to get going pretty soon, you want to tell us a little bit about how your harvest is going? It hasn't started yet, but um, just been dodging lightning bolts and COVID <laughs> and snakes and anything else out there that's uh, coming this way. Um, yeah, I was out in the vineyard this morning working in the Cab Franc just uh, thinning up a little bit after the rain. Um, you know, we're still probably six weeks away. We're just finishing Verasion in the Cab Franc and in the Cab. Um, the Sauvignon. Danny, how did, it, how did it go through the heat like and the rain? I mean, did you see any of that, you know, Botrytis popping up already? Did you? Did Not, uh, well, I'm doing a lap did, around Kanzler uh, later this week. And that's, you know, Pinot, eight miles from the ocean. Right. Uh, gets doused in fog on a daily basis. So we get more botrytis out there. Um, we're trying a new product called PHD, a fungicide that's uh, technically organic, but they haven't been certified. Um, so we're, we're experimenting with that out at Kanzler. But in terms of Sonoma Valley, I haven't seen anything yet. There's, there was almost this like mother's nature's gift of shatter this year. And so that for us in these circumstances really helps in some of the Bordeaux clusters, they're a little looser. Um, so I haven't seen anything yet, but time will tell is we're not used to these crazy thunderstorms in the middle of August. 
Yeah, and I'm really bummed about the whole Kansas. You know, Danny and I, we were trying to put together a, a Kansler dinner at the Fairmont. We were, you know, when this all went down. I know, Sam, Sam, we missed yours by like two weeks. And then the uh, Kansler one we were planning on doing in June, um, which was going to be really fun because we were going to pair it with um, the Kansler wine, same same vineyard, same vintage with, was it Costa Brown or William Sellian? It was the Costa Brown wines. And do like a... Um, you know, three or four courses on them. So, you know, maybe it might be June again uh, next year. <laughs> time we get I think to... everybody's on the same boat, right? You know, 2020 yeah. is out, but yeah. we'd love to get back in that. Uh, yeah. MJ, get a ticket to that one. You're not going to want to miss it. No, that's uh, that's like I want to I want to be there. That's for sure, man. And that's happy cool. anniversary, Danny, to you and uh, Katie too. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate you guys. Uh, well, and uh, th thanks again, MJ, for the kind words uh, about the wine. Um, obviously, you know, Sam's dad farms it, so we're... Uh, we're it better be good for what it costs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't good. We talked to him. But uh, no, I appreciate the support, man. And uh, good luck with everything. I love the content you're putting out there. And, um, you know, it's, it's all positive stuff. And I love what you're bringing together there. So excited about the future podcast and what you got going on. And uh, Bart, good luck with the start of Harvest. Thanks, Sam, Danny. Thank you. And we'll Brian, see you out there. We can be in again. Good luck with that too, bud. Okay, Thanks. cool. Tell, Tell Katie, Katie we said hi. Hello. Please. And congratulations. Take care. See you, Dan. So MJ, let's since since I, uh, I, I now ahead. just want to know. I, I mean, I have to send MJ wine because I want to know what song he's going to pair with. <laughs> right. That's, that's mean, what I was going to say. Right? Like, that's a no-brainer. <laughs> and then MJ, there's something like what were you doing pre-COVID? I mean, you referenced it, you know that that's what kind of got you a little more in touch with your reviews and, and, but, but what, what, what were you doing for a gig before COVID? So I actually am the, uh, the uh, program director for a nonprofit education nonprofit called pathways of college. So I, okay. I, I work in the, the shittiest school districts in America, um, helping kids, uh, uh. uh become, become, uh, attractive college students. Right. So like, you know, the, the kids I work with, they, they could be like the top of their class, but they're, they're not actually challenged um, educationally just because just the overall uh, level of rigor in the district is low. So uh, my organization works with <clears throat> kids doing that. And, and then I have a part-time gig selling wine now at my local Whole Foods just because um, I just miss selling wine. You know, I, 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 I can't go into a, a, a wine shop or, you know, not so many supermarkets out here, like out there, you know, you go to 7-Eleven. And get better wine than some liquor stores we have here um but like you know i can't go into a store and, and someone i can and there's people that you can just tell they're looking and i'm like what are you looking for you know I, and i like so i was like well you know let me go get a job selling wine because i you know i you know i just continued my wine study but i i've been doing other things you know what i mean so i work part-time as a sales associate a team a team member at my local whole foods in the wine department and they love me because um i'm the only one person there who knows anything about wine um, which was pretty funny. I mean, customers w were not used to someone knowing about wine. I had to, I had to convince people I knew about wine, you know, I mean, um, I'll tell you a funny story. <laughs> so like, uh, like I was trying my different approaches. So like at one point I was like, uh, free expert wine advice. And people were just like, no, I'm good. And then they would pick the bottle of Josh up. Like, yeah. Damn, man. So close. Uh, yeah, so close. Um, so there was this one woman, um, you know, we're, you know, I asked her if she needs some help. She said, oh, no, I'm fine. And she was actually looking at some pretty 
you know, for what we have, pretty high-end Pinots, which is not a lot because, like I said, they don't really have a wine buyer. And um, she said, uh, she said, no, I'm okay. I'm like, oh, well, you, have you ever had, um, you ever had this Pinot? I said, you ever have Marcusin? She said, no. I said, you ever have uh, uh, Latash? She said, no. I said, you ever have, uh, you know, I kept naming Pinot. She's like, okay, you, you might know something about wine. <laughs> So she, she became a customer and a fan, you know, um, but I literally, um, it, it's an interesting, it's interesting working that level retail, not in a shop where people are just want you to stock the shelves and don't, you know, you know, they, right. they go for their, you know, their, their, you know, their, uh, their, uh, what, what, whatever, whatever Rose, you know, whatever, whatever Josh, they'll, they'll just buy it, you know, cause they know who, who buys the wine isn't whole foods. Do they buy the wine nationally and then distribute it to all their stores or is it a local? Cause I thought, I thought Jacob's I think it's regional. I think it's regional. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's, they, um, they actually have a master sommelier who runs the program nationally. So they have some program wines, but then there's a regional, um, then there's regional, um, because they like to go local. So, you know, um, so there's regional wines, and then we do have, you know, there is a there is a, a beer and wine buyer, but it's always been a beer guy, you know, never never someone who knows wines, right? So, uh, so right, and that change, and that so I reps, think that changes. The Sorry. reps dump. The reps dump. You know, I can see what the reps do. They just they're just they just dumping their stuff, you know, and you know, supermarket wine into Whole Foods, which for yeah. me, I, I, for me, I think it's a missed opportunity because there's so many biodynamic and organic wines that are really really good and you could train your customer you know you you know if you're shopping at whole foods you have a certain amount of money right this is what i'm saying people are going to whole foods for two reasons number one they want healthier food right so they would want healthier wine and they they have a different quality level expectation so yeah, you're right. They're missing the boat. They should actually have And they're expecting like you. to pay more money, right? You don't go to Whole Foods <laughs> right. going, oh, I'm going to get right. some deals today. You know, you go to Whole Foods yeah. going, well, I walked in the door, there's $100, right? I mean, yeah. you're going to, you're going to, you can spend a little bit of money on a bottle of wine at Whole Foods, I think, and, and not. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so. Well, and tell know. me, your, tell me your approach on, because here's, here's the biggest thing I think for selling wine, you know, on the floor as a psalm, which I know you've done, is the whole, um how much do you want to spend question is the one that is the real difficult um, subject to approach for some people They're they're uncomfortable with that. Um, and it, you know, sometimes you can tell by, you can offer a, a cheaper one and a more expensive one and, and see which way they lean, but how do you approach the pricing um, thing about it? <clears throat> That's a good question. I mean, because where I worked is a high end store, um, that was the first thing um, Michael Capon, that was John's dad, who uh, told me is like, you know, ask people, you know, how much you want to spend. So what I say, I was like, you know, I'm like, uh, what type of wine are you looking for today? And they'll go, you know, they'll say red, white, or rosé. I'm like, awesome. I was like, um, and um, how much did you want to spend today? And if they, if I see a little, I'll just straight up ask them, but if I see a little hesitation, I say, I might say, how much do you want to spend today? Because we have great wines in all price range. Um, but you see, I have hundreds of wines in the store. So give me a price range. will help me um, narrow it down. Yeah. And then what I hate, the response I hate is like, not a lot. So then that, I love that though. I hate it, but I love it because where I've worked in Santa Barbara and Montecito, you know, New York city, I go, I go, I go, awesome. I say, you know, um, I got customers, you know, I had a customer in New York. He's like, you know, Marvy, I'm, 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 you know, my wife's making Coca van. You know, I, I need, I need, I need a bottle of Burgundy. So he'll, a hundred dollars was not expensive to him. 
right? So I say, I said, I got people $100 in that lot. I just want to make sure I'm direct you. And when they go, oh, I don't want to spend that much. And then I'll go, okay, $10, right? So <laughs> you know, I, I try to make it not awkward, but I do ask straight up because, because you're right, because that becomes the issue. Like, I, I, you know, I, I told someone, I did a Zoom for someone. I like, if, if, the person, if, the, if the person doesn't ask you how much you want to spend and goes right to a $40 bottle, that's, that's not, you know, I don't think someone who's really wine out would, would want to do that. You know, I want people to feel comfortable. And there are great price wines, great wines in every price range, you know. Right. And that's what I tell people. I say, look, you know, there's hidden gems on this list where if you only want to spend 50 bucks, I can get you the most bang for your buck. Um, but yeah, I got a phone call the other day. I was off work, but someone called me from the hotel and said, hey, I got a guy here. He wants to buy a bottle of wine for his friend for his birthday. So I told him I would reach out to you and, and, and see what you thought. And I said, okay, great. So ask him how much he wants to spend. So he comes back in a minute. He says, 50 bucks. I said, well, you can't even open up the wine cabinet for, for 50. There's nothing in there. There's nothing in there for 50 bucks. It's going to be a, a, a BTG wine that, that we're pouring out at the pool or something. So, you know, I, I, recommended, the, I'm, I recommended the Oren Swift Abstract, which was like 70 bucks. But I'm thinking I could probably get him to spend another 20 if he sees the label and it's pro if he only wants to spend that much, he's probably used to more commercially driven wines, you know, nothing too geeky. But it but it's it's one of those weird conversations that some people are okay with it and some people just get really and and usually what they think too is that if I say if they say I want to spend a hundred dollars, then I'm gonna probably make them spend $150. So it's kind of like they undercut you a little bit because they know you're going to raise the price or something. <laughs> it's just one of the most odd conversations. So usually I try and I try and say, you know, what do you usually drink? And then mm -hmm. if you can get some wines that they normally drink, then you can kind of get a get a gauge for the for their uh, normal price range. Totally. Yeah. And, and that's a good question. Because um, I asked them, uh, well, what, you know, I say, what did you like about it? You know, I asked them, you know, and um, but uh, it can be awkward, but by and by, you know, I was just, I was trained to just go right in because it, it, it saves each, it saves the consumer time and it saves me time. Cause you know, you can work in a store, you know, where there's, there's 500 wines, right? So yeah. let's, 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 let's narrow it down. And, and I'm, and I'm there to guide you. And if someone says hundred bucks, I might sometimes I'll, you know, I'll start looking and I'm like, Oh, this, you know, and it might be 75, like, well, why not this? I'm like, well, I would just tell you not, you know, this winemaker, this, you know, I know this vineyard, you know, that's great. But, you know, I just wanted your range, you know, and then I think right. they appreciate that if you can actually bring them in with a bottle um, under what they ask and, and, it, and it kind of over delivers. Is, yeah. that a, is that an East Coast, West Coast thing, too? Is that an easier conversation? And like, uh, even if it's New Jersey, Whole Foods or certainly, you know, in downtown Manhattan, where you can just kind of cut to the chase on that a little bit more in California, it's a little maybe a little bit more. Or touchy feely, <laughs> little touchy feely. Want good vibes from this wine, you know? That's a good question. I mean, that's a good. That's a good question. I, you know, because I haven't lived in California for like nearly ten years. Um, it was actually, um, I worked at a smaller shop, like I said in Montecito. It was a bistro, and we were, but we had really wine knowledgeable customers. Right. That's what I really appreciated. But yeah, I mean, we're we're definitely blunter here on, on the east coast you know say don't waste my motherfucking time yeah yeah my wife sometimes i'll come home and i'll say God, i'm just not getting along with this person at work you know they're they're this and they're that and she says where are they from and i'll say oh they're from the east coast she'll say 
you, you got to get over that. <laughs> so it's just a different vibe going on. And she does a lot of business with people in New York. So she, she's, she's learned how to um, tailor her emotional side to those things. I'm still waiting for that day for me to be in Oliver's or Bottle Barn for someone to come up and go, hey, do you know anything about wine? <laughs> you're, just, you're just hanging out there going I've, waiting I've for spent that all this time on education well, and no one asked me shit you know uh when i worked at when i worked for larger wineries we'd go out and either go to uh cost plus when they had a big wine department or whole foods all sorts of places and you play you pay you play that person in a um that, that person in the wine aisle you can't pour wine you're just there to greet people and you know how, they look at you weird like why are you stalking me um, you obviously don't work here um and making that approach and so many times you end up recommending somebody else's wine because <laughs> it is not it's, your wine is not what they're looking for so right anyway. yeah <laughs> so sam what have you guys been up to um out in the vineyards uh, around Sonoma? Well, I mean, there's been a couple of little picks that have started. Um, nothing, nothing real yet in the, in the harvest department. Um, you know, it, this week has been about staying cool and staying dry by lightning, um, which is uh, certainly different uh, experience for us <laughs> in, in California. Um, you know, now we're, we're legitimately concerned about these big fires that are um, burning in Napa. Uh, and how, did so. those, were those lightning strikes? Is that how those started? 100%. Yeah. hundred percent okay. lightning strikes. Oh. Um, and so, and that's, you know, this, as of this morning, this is, this is Tuesday morning. Um, it was 12,000 acres, three big fires. Um, all sort of like under one command. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know if I, I, I retweeted it on uh, a couple times, but uh, Blake Gray, W. Blake Gray for Wine Searcher, you know, wrote a great little, you know, as great as it can be when you're talking about fire. But basically that fire, the Hennessy Lake fire is Pritchard Hill. It's, it's literally some of the most expensive vineyard land and wines uh, frankly, in, in the world, and and just down the hill from that is Oakville Ranch. So, um, you know, that's a, a kind of where our focus is at the moment. And nothing that you can really do about it, um, other than hope that it's uh, you know keeps blowing the other other way. Um, the one thing that we have right now, you know, these fires, it's uh, it's crazy humid. Literally, feels like we're in New Jersey when you go outside. Um, and that's, that's good. It's not, it's, it's, uh, it's, things aren't growing really fast. There's not a ton of wind, but it also means that everything, all the air is heavy and the smoke is just kind of sitting on the whole valley. So, um, it's definitely 2020 out there. Um, that's pretty much the only, the only way to fucking describe it. Um, yeah. you know, this, this, the set, Sunday morning and Monday morning, um, electrical storm, action that happened here and and you know we're all posting pictures of lightning and freaking out and people everywhere else in the country are going well what the hell but um you know it was 100 degrees going into and coming out of that and um and that literally never happens here um so it was definitely a pretty surreal experience um these last couple mornings so i think we're all sort of in this uh sort of dream state uh you, you mentioned Y2K, MJ. I mean, there is a, 
sort of a apocalyptic kind of vibe <laughs> flowing through the air right now. Uh, and I think that may be the whole country, but it feels, you know, it feels visceral outside. <laughs> you know, uh, Sondra and I were, were talking yesterday and she said, the only thing we're missing is locusts. And then she, she heard about a story in New Jersey about this bug that has been quarantined. That's like very similar to a locust. I don't know if you've heard anything about oh, that. No, I, yeah, I was, I, I, I um, was going, I had to do a remodel in my kitchen and need to get a light fixture and they, so I'm going down the uh, highway 35 here and there's a big uh, billboard, you know, and it says stomp out, you know, there's some moth. It's this invasive like moth that is like, you know, and I'm, and so I had to go home and Google it. Yeah. We got, it's like, it's like, it's an invasive moth that is just eating stuff up and, and, you know, it's, I, <laughs> you know, <laughs> It's 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 really kind of crazy. 2020 is, uh, you know, I think I did a video yesterday. I did. I was like, you know, but we all have to look for something positive in this because like it, it is just so otherwise it's too heavy. It's too dire, man. It's, it's just straight up revelations and shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it was nice last night. We actually got the um, uh, Democratic uh, National Convention started and it was nice to hear some people talking specifically Michelle Obama that were you know, empathetic person on television talking to us like, like we, uh, like we had uh, four years ago. Someone just talking like a normal person to us and made me feel a little bit better last night. Um, yeah, yeah. Did I mean, you catch like the, uh, the, the Billy, is it Billy Hamilton and, um, and Stephen Stills at the end? Like, I think like a lot of the national news feeds cut out. They did, um, you know what's going on the Stephen Stills you know Buffalo Buffalo yeah. Springfield song that was I mean you know I didn't watch the convention I'll just catch the highlights on Twitter like everybody other fucking yeah. millennial. Um, <laughs> but that was like the piece that was the one thing I was like oh man that just like a, a sense of real and a sense of um, you know having some connection to the real world um, was yeah. a really <laughs> nice change of pace uh, even if it's fucking a virtual Zoom Democratic <laughs> National Convention. I mean, the whole thing is so bizarre. Um, but, uh, you know, it's it's uh, basically is what it is, right? Now it's a television show. It's always been a television show. And now they're just producing it out of 25 different locations instead of one giant arena somewhere. So, I don't right. know. Pretty interesting. Yeah, it was, it was nice to spend. Uh, last week I was on the Russian River Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night. Um, for my daughter's birthday, we rented a house and, um, and the kids loved it going to the river three times a day, you know, just breaking to eat. And then the kids would go to bed and I had the, the triplets parents who Sam are big deadhead fans. And so at 10 o'clock, we'd turn on the music outside, open up a few bottles of wine, um, fire a couple up, Personal fire a couple up right? and, 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 and it was just, it was the first time that I had sort of been in a vacation type situation since this all went down. So it was nice just to have three days of, uh, you know, and, and zero cell phone coverage. So completely off the grid, um, yeah. you know, you could text maybe um, at certain times of the day, but it was, it was really nice. Yeah. So you weren't posting wine on your, inst what, what were you drinking while you were out there? What was I drinking? Um, we, you know, we went hard. So, <laughs> so we were drinking margaritas and a cat captain and Coke. <laughs> And uh, you know, but the but but high end coke. So I found out that fever, 
fever tree cheap, now. Cheap rum, high end coke. Right. <laughs> so you know, you know, I'm a big fan of fever tree. So I love the fever tree tonic and the fever tree soda. I just found at Bottle Barn a couple weeks ago that they do a Madagascar cola, um, which you know, vanilla from is one of the most expensive vanilla and saffron now are like the most expensive things for some reason it's like forty dollars a bottle for this vanilla but the coke the flavor on this was great um so we, yeah we were we were going um we were going pretty hard I, I think i had a it was the first time in a while that i opened up a bottle of rosé that i said eh um i you know i rarely drink bad wine um but it, you know it was not great it was some you know something that we picked up at the store over there and um wasn't very good but um but good, good times had by all. Good, good cola, cheap rum. Good, yeah, good. good. <laughs> Hashtag you 2020. To, you might have yeah. to add that to the T-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> so MJ, let's let's talk a little bit about your new venture and and what was the inspiration for it and what is your vision um, for what you're for what you're doing? Because I've seen some of the the IGTV. If you can watch some of the videos that you post on Instagram. I signed up for some email list yesterday. I don't know what, yep. what's going to happen there. Right. You didn't get an email today. I don't. I don't know. I don't. Well, I, I, got the I don't check my email. Got the welcome email. But um, <clears throat> thanks. Yeah. I um. So first of all, you know, I'm I'm like, uh, you know, I remember when podcasts first started dropping in 2003. I was like, I should have a podcast. This has been something I've been talking about forever. And in fact, my wife she bought me um couple of years ago, maybe like three or maybe four years ago, she bought me like, uh, like a Shure microphone. She bought me like this rolling recorder because I was going to kept threatening to do a podcast. And then, uh, you know, I never did it. Um, because, you know, like I, I, I do a lot of, uh, you know, when I lived in California, I, I did a lot of seminars, right? Like I was, I was in the seminar world, right? So I did landmark education and I, I did this, you know, and I, and then I, I worked with Jack Canfield, uh, the chicken soup for the soul success from guy. And he does seminars and I go, you know, and I actually went out on the road with him, you know, I took his training. So I, you know, I was going to do originally, it's going to be about success, right? Just in life. You know, I just think, you know, there's some basics in life that, um, like stuff I've gone through. And then once I like, Oh, you know, like there's some basics of winemaking, right? There's some rules that you have to follow if you want to have a good wine. There's some basics in life that if you follow, you're going to have a pretty good life. And, and success is having what you want, right? So when the Black Wine Guy started, it was really just like a, a goof account because I just, I had my own per personal account. And then someone told me, uh, a chef buddy told me, he's like, oh, there's this huge wine community. And then I saw all these pretty girls holding bottles and doing dancing and doing all stupid shit. And you know, they don't know anything about wine. That was another one of those moments where I wish we put the video out of this. I know, right? <laughs> those, those, those moves that Mar that MJ just did right there, man. Oh man. That, Only that for my, us. That was my Elaine from uh, Seinfeld. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, so it just, it just, you know, and then like, it just started, like, it just started like people, like I said, winemakers started following me. Um, uh, wine critics started following me. Um, uh, people who drank good wine started following me. And then um, I just, I just got, the, it was just, it just, there was a voice in it. Okay, it's time, right? This is time. Like this is actually, you back up. Really what, what made it happen was I, um, <clears throat> I, I, I was in a, I'm in a marketing mastermind, right? And, um, you know, uh, that I, I, you know, I went out to Idaho a few times and, you know, I have this online course and they're working on, they're building a marketing funnel. And I was 
And I'm also a fitness guy. So I was going to build like a fitness funnel. And then um, I told someone in the, uh, in my, in my, in my, my cohort, uh, this woman, I was like, yeah, you know, I'm into wine. And she, she's the one who went and checked out my Instagram a few months ago. She's like, holy shit. She's like, oh my God. Like, you look at his engagement you get, you know, like, I'm like, yeah, you know, it was just kind of funny. So she's like, well, I happen to know these guys who have a podcast. Um, it's called uh, Rogues on the Road. And they're actually on the Food and Beverage Network, right? She's like, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hook you up with these guys. So, you know, they checked out my feed. And they're like, oh, my God, this guy's, this guy's pretty cool, legit. So they had me on their podcast. It must have been back in May. And um, got a really good response. And then when it was over, the guy was like, he's like, he's like, dude, you are, you are so ready. I don't know why you don't have your own podcast. And it was just something I needed to hear. And um, so, uh, you know, and then I'll be honest, like when, 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 uh, when, when George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, when that kind of hit the news, like, and then this whole thing about diversity in the wine business, I, I got like fucking 2000 followers, like in like, a, in like a month, in like six weeks, like out yeah. of the blue, you know? And right. so, you know, um, and I, and, and, and like I said in the beginning, I'm okay with whoever's going to listen. I, I, you know, but um, so the idea I have right now, I, I mean, it's been, wait, it's just so crazy. It's a story. You guys are in California. I could tell you like the whole woo woo energy, crazy shit. Right. Right. So um, yeah. Talk about flow. Talk about flow. Bring it in. Bring it in. <laughs> so, Tension. Um, so then um, I was approached by a woman. Um, she's a Psalm out of New York. And actually I had worked with her father, uh, doing some work with Acker. He does, he was an auction consultant. So I knew, I actually been to their house years ago and I had never met her. So she, she wanted to have me on her podcast, uh, the wine minks. Uh, she wanted to talk to a black, uh, you know, uh, industry professional person of color. So we had, we had a great conversation. And then, um, out of that, some more people, uh, found me. And so, so I, in, in my marketing mastermind, I actually had this this 21 day podcasting challenge. And I was kind of just following this little blueprint. And then one day I get it, you know, freaking Instagram, just like Danny, I get this DM from this woman and she's like, you know, Hey MJ, you know, uh, I'm a friend of Annie's, you know, I, I, I saw you on her podcast and I just, I just got it. I just got a, a message that you might need some help. You know, I'm a podcast producer and uh, would you like um, some help? <clears throat> and so, I was like, shit, yeah, all right, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll do that. So, um, you know, we had a storm, like, so we were supposed to meet, we had a storm, everybody was out of power. So we finally, like, connected last week. And then, you know, I told her, like, you know, I kind of have this vision where, um, you know, there's a, there's, there's, a, there's a void in the world of, uh, of uh, food, wine, and journalism now that Anthony Bourdain has passed, you know what I mean? Um, and just, just someone who is just chill, intelligent you can have a conversation with who wants to have conversations with other intelligent people over food and wine and like like we delved into politics like, and just discuss life you know what i mean and so um i told her that and then it turns out she actually is a former television producer worked for uh you know various uh food network etc on she she's produced like episodes of say yes to the dress and other food and travel so that's like her wheelhouse hmm. so she also uh, really likes the format and the content I put out. Um, so, you know, it's going to be about, um, uh, you know, uh, beats, music, wines, and life. You know, that's what it's going to be about. Um, and at first it was just going to be, I was going to, you know, it was just going to be the black wine guy experience. But then, like I started, you know, when I started throwing up IG videos and getting the response from people, I really, 
you know, if I would be shortchanging myself and people out there, you know, I wanted to leave the door open to have conversation with anybody, you know, so right. we'll have these great right. conversations with anybody over a glass of wine. Right. You know, so. And so what's the projected start date for you? Yeah, I think right now it's funny because I have a producer now. So we're actually like, we're, we're going to be going into a, into New York city, into a studio. They, they do follow COVID-19 procedures. Um, and um, we're, we're, I'm, I'm thinking probably, um, I have guests lined up, you know, but I have someone, you know, she said for the first one, um, we actually want to go in the studio and the studio is really incredible because, you know, when we go to do a zoom interview or a Skype interview, like they have 4k video, they have all the technical to, to make everybody look great because we're also going to put out the video. So Sam, you'll see me doing my moves, you know, and we put that out. Um, that's, that's actually why we don't put out the videos. Nobody wants <laughs> to see us do anything. <laughs> um but uh but yeah we're gonna we're, I, i'm thinking probably the first episode will drop at the latest the end of september um maybe mid-september you know um mj you want to uh you want to tease any of the guests out there or you want to hold those tight oh um you know you know i mean well I, i'll tell you i have i have um i have people who i have a lot of uh people who have been in the movies in the psalm series have agreed to be on um, shit ton of winemakers, you know, I'll have all you guys on, but like Dan <laughs> and a ton of people in the central coast, you know, want to be on, have offered to be on. Awesome. Um, yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, I mean, yeah. Um, you know, uh, and then like, I'll, I'll play around with it, you know, I'll, I'll go from there, but yeah, uh, a lot of, like I said, uh, and, and because when it's going to drop, I'm thinking I'm going to maybe do like this. I wasn't planning on doing series, see where it goes, but I'd probably do Psalms first because a lot of you winemakers, you guys are going to be busy. Come, yeah, nobody's uh, talking to you in September who's a winemaker. Yeah, nobody's talking to you in September. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah. Unless uh, they're in Australia. And, right. Or if they are, then you really don't want to have them on your show. Yeah, they're not. That's exactly. it. <laughs> <laughs> on my show, man. If, you, if you're not out there, you know, you know, doing harvest stuff, you, you, you don't qualify for my show. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, you guys, I went to, you know, I had my interview at Keller Estate. Yesterday, are you, a, are you yesterday an morning, now, Brian? So th there was four more interviews after mine. I had to be there at eight o'clock in the morning, which after working Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday nights was a bit rough yesterday. But um, it, no interns are coming, and they they originally had two guys from Mexico that were coming, and that completely fell through last week. So now, and this is probably going to be true for a lot of people. It's not just going to be like one intern or two interns. It's going to be like a team of five people that all have limited availability because they all are doing other things, hmm. but they want to get into it. So I, I offered Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, um, all days. And then, you know, until three o'clock on some of the other days. Um, so there was four other people that were coming in. He's just trying to, it's like a puzzle. He's having to put together everyone's availability and see where he can patch it, uh, patchwork it together to get basically full coverage for the winery for the, uh, for the whole week. Um, so we'll see. And then I got a, uh, an email yesterday from Trouchard Winery. They are looking for someone to work 60 hours a week. So um, five, 12 hour days, stay out on the property um, and work harvest for them. So they sent that out to Sandra. She forwarded that to me yesterday. If, you know, 20 years ago, I would have jumped on that um, right away to go live out on the property at uh, Trouchard and Carneros. But um, yeah, I think everyone's, I, what are you guys doing? Are you guys not doing an internship at all, Sam? We, uh, Stone Edge brings in an intern. Um, and you know, last year it was a woman from Spain and this year it's a kid from Sonoma, um, uh, because okay. 
Um, you know, and he started he started a couple weeks ago. Um, you know, just kind of getting they're doing a bottling at Stone Edge next week, and just kind of getting the winery ready for um, harvest. You got to clear out, finish all those stupid little projects. You know, Stone Edge had a run of wine that they didn't like the foils or something, so they didn't foil it on the label on on the bottling truck, and he had to he spent uh, a week foiling 12 his first job bart's bart's nodding his head and laughing going yeah fuck yeah that's the the fng the new guy definitely here here's the labeler here's the foiling machine here's 12 <laughs> pallets of cabernet that need oh. right. um uh, we'll wear your mask for crying out loud we'll see you in a week i mean that was that was pretty much uh, mitchell's um introduction to life in a winery um, yeah and then you walk wow. by and go yeah those aren't quite good enough yeah, oh, there's a little wrinkle there, man. What the hell are you doing? <laughs> yeah. No, those stone edge foils got to be perfect. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. yep. So I, I was thinking about, you know, seeing the black wine guy as a tag on Instagram. Me, I drink primarily white wine in my free time because I, I work nights. And when I get off work, I want to have something racy, zippy, you know, acid driven. Would it be okay for me to have a at white wine guy? You know, uh, <laughs> actually, there are some. There are some white wine guys. There's, there's. <laughs> I, I actually looked it up, and there's, there's a guy. He has five posts, but it's, it's, it's really lame. Like, there's no posts of wine. It's just like some random pictures of like family members or something. I don't know. I don't know how he got it. Some. I mean, maybe I should reach out to him and say. Right. You know, give up the me, white wine guy. Give up the white wine guy. I'm the white wine guy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you see my feed, I mean, it's pretty much like 90% white wines on my list. So I think people would get it. I don't think I get too much shit for it. The, yeah. Be the well, pink I mean, wine guy. You're really the pink <laughs> wine guy, Brian. It came about because, you know, when I, and it's not like, it's just like I was in the business in, in the late 90s, you know. Who, who knew this whole getting certified as a psalm would be a big thing back then? You know, if you knew about wine and you were good with people, you could get on the floor at a restaurant and sell wine, which is what I did in Santa Barbara. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I'd go to, you go to interview tastings and I'd be the only black guy there, so, which was, that doesn't bother me. You know what I mean? It didn't bother me. I mean, I was about the wine, right? So, um, and it was just kind of funny because people would find a way to describe me. So they would come into the restaurant and they'd be like, <laughs> is, is the other guy there you know the guy with the glasses right um, right and and, and and so and then and then my core is like the black guy so yeah. I mean, it's like, it, like there was one black guy working at the it like it's like yeah one percent black in santa barbara it's okay if you say the black guy hey we don't know what to say we're like is that cool, <laughs> is that cool? you know um, you know so, um, so so it was, it was just one of those those things where when i and like I said, I was kind of starting as a goof. I was like, okay, I couldn't believe that was available. Black wine guy, like, you know. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of a indicate. I mean, you could be a white wine guy, but, you know, yeah. until fairly recently, the black wine guy, and you're talking about MJ. I mean, right? I mean, you, right. your experience, right? Nine, 20, 20 years ago in, in Montecito or 25 years ago in, in Manhattan, you were the black wine guy. Right, right. And that's what the thing, like, <laughs> like, so, so like, you know, you know, someone, you know, people like, they'd like, they were like, you know, um, the other guy, he, he's black, like whisper it. They're yeah. like, yeah. them, <laughs> you know, they're like, yeah. Oh, why did you say so? You know? So, um, <laughs> and, and, and it was just, it, it was just, it was just, 
so funny. I was like, I was like, how can, you know, and that was a thing. Like I was a wine guy. I wasn't a Psalm, but I was a wine guy. Wine guy, I was a wine guy, right? And I was a wine guy, I was black. That's it. There's no more than that. You don't read that, you know? I don't drink black wines, you know, per se. <laughs> Although Brown well, Estate makes some killer wines and I've been on them. But see, that's the thing. Like, like Brown Estate, they've been making wines for decades. You know, I drank their wines back in 97, 98, right? And, you know, but people need to understand something about the wine business. You have to have money to be in the wine business. You know, to own yeah. property in Napa, you know, that's a wealthy family. You know, that's not a family like of the kids I work with. You know what I mean? That's a wealthy family for anybody. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, it, it, it's, it, it, it's always, it's always fun and I, I get good, good, good play out of it. So it also gives me license to like use hip hop lyrics and, you know, right. Curves, you know, use hashtag how mountain motherfucker, you know, whatever, right. you know, <laughs> our narrow bitches, you know, so. Now, have you, had you ever been to the Hospice to Rhone, uh, event in, uh, Paso Robles? I was supposed to go this year. I'm actually, uh, um, one, one, I, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, you talk like someone, you know, it's funny, like Danny says, like, I'm, you know, I was the only person I ever sent wine to. So, uh, Mark Adams over down at ledge down in, down in Paso Robles, you know, him and his wife, they had got burnt by influencers and they like, but he saw what I was drinking and, and he sent me some wine. And then I actually bought wine. He's like, he like, he's like, oh my God, you know, we sent out so much wine. My wife was like, don't send out any more bottles. He's like, no, there's something about this guy. And like, you know, um, I, I bought a case of wine and he was like, thank you so much. I was like, dude, like your wines were great. Like I wouldn't, like, I'm not going to be like, thanks for the bottles, you know, you know. Um, right. And um, so, so he was doing Ledge Fest in conjunction with hospice and I was all set to go out. And then, you know, I was super excited, you know, and I mean, I got on the virtual one, which was, it was, you know, it was, we were nice there. Yeah. But, you know, it was, you know, but, um, you know, I was, I was excited because I haven't, I haven't been to California since like 20, shit, I don't know, 2015. It's been a while. I'm long overdue, you know, to, to go over to California. And uh, yeah, I had it totally planned out. Yeah, I noticed that uh, Hospice to Rome follows you. So Vicky Carroll is a friend of ours who runs the, the Hospice to Rome thing. And, and I think, I think we're, we're not going to skip a year, right? We're going to go into No, it's going to be next year. Yeah. So, um, yeah, not too much longer. I mean, if you think about it, we're almost into September. Um, but, April's uh, right around the corner, man. And, and we, we all had a big house on a Across. farm lined up through Airbnb. Um, so hopefully you get to come out next year and, and, and we can hook up with you at the hospice to run. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, what, but what is, what is that? So I got to ask, like, what is that like when you go to, when you go to like these wine events and you are one of the only black people that's there? I mean, you know, we've had guests on the show before. I know Ruben, um, Ruben Morency is one of our friends who's the summit qua here in San Francisco. And, um, it, it's, we've talked about underserved communities, but what is that like just to, to come into a room of, of, you know, those big convention rooms, those tastings where it's, I mean, it's literally less than 5% um, of the black community that's, that's in there. And, and is it, be, and, and the reasons like, why is that? I mean, what are we not doing? What is it that are people even interested in those wines? Like what's going on? Yeah. You know, it's interesting because that, that's a good question. Like, so, First of all, like I said, a lot has to do with um, access. You know, I was just fortunate, you know, like, I mean, I dated a girl who went to Wesleyan University, you know, that, that opened up a whole new world for me, you know, where I grew up, I grew up in New Jersey, I grew up in a county, you know, like, I didn't, 
this one of the kind. My dad worked at the post office. I don't come from a rich family. Just just where my dad was from was was majority white people. So I kind of grew up. I went to school. My, my high school was probably eighty eight, you know, 80 percent black, right? So I mean, white rather. Right. So I was always coming like and 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 you know, my mother's from down south, but different generation and just taught to present a certain way. You know what I mean? And so. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know if I would have been in it, but, but for how I knew John, but to go in a room, but the bottom line is I've always been comfortable. I think a lot of people black and white are not comfortable around each other because we, we're often not together and, you yeah. know, in, in this country. Right. So on both sides, there's this awkwardness. Right. So um, I was fortunate not to suffer from that. And then working at it, when you work at like such a prestigious store right out the gate um, and, um, you know, the clientele I had to deal with, we dealt with a lot of wealthy people, obviously, uh, a lot of uh, uh, pro, um, famous people, actors, you know, Broadway people, um, you know, just um, when, you, when once I had those first few months under the belt, you know, and I, I started working in September, you know, retail September till, um, you know, New Year's Eve is like, that's it. That's like, that is like, the crazy season. So imagine that. And I've never sold wine. I've sold lots of stuff before. But you know, working in New York City, super busy, crazy. It was just, it was just whirlwind. Like I said, working 12, 16 hours a day and going to tastings. And uh, but you know, by the time that was over, I knew, I knew, you know, uh, Michael Capon, John's dad said, you know, you now know more about wine than like 98% of the population. Yeah, so. Right armed with that i could walk into your room and it was fine it was just fine i like i knew my shit right if you know that's the thing if you know your shit um it's a lot easier but i, I like, there's an awkwardness i think because like you said um people we don't we're such a racially divided country um you know that there, there can be awkwardness you know but i've i've always been well received i've never felt you know uh uh on the periphery, you know, I've been fortunate, you know, I know some people have had that experience, you know, um, and then like, well, you, so, have, uh, you have good self-confidence very obvious, obviously too. And that, and that helps, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, that, that's, you know, that's something that my parents imbued in me. Um, and, uh, you know, it, and it does help. Right. And, and then, and, but then I also think like, you know, it, it's good. It's good to me. It's good and bad. I'm going to get shit for this. It's good and bad that like, you know, it's good to see, um, Dwayne Wade, Wade Sellers. It's good to see, um, uh, you know, people branch, African-Americans branch out and getting into the wine business, you know what I mean? Um, you know, or owning labels. Let's put, let's put it like, owning labels. <laughs> I'll say that, right? Because, you know, there, there's Mac Miller out there in uh, Sonoma Pioneer, Black Wine Pioneer, you know, the brown are actually making the wine, you know. Um, but no, John Legend is not, not making his wine. Mary J. Blige is not making her wine. But if that opens up to some people and brings it back in, um, that's good. You know, someone asked me yesterday on my Instagram, you know, what's your favorite black owned winery? And I said, I don't have one. I said, but I did enjoy, you know, a, a Brown family cab. You guys see what I drink. I, I, I'm the same way. I'm, I'm the same way about wines with people. I don't care what color you are. Do you taste good? You know, are you, are, you know, do you, do you have the, the proper qualities, right? You know, um, if you're an asshole, I'm not going to fuck with you and that's fine. And there's, there's assholes of every persuasion. Um, and, but with wines, I'm not, I'm not going to just be compelled, you know, like I, I, again, John, my cousin said, have you had John Legend's wine? And I was like, yeah. And I'm not paying $70 for a Raymond cab. <laughs> right. <laughs> not happening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and is it, it's so weird though. And the, the, and for me, the problem with having the conversations right now is that 
it, it, they have to be long conversations. You can't yeah. just have a conversation about race and it's, and it's a minute long and, and shit gets resolved. That's not how it works. No. But it is, it is strange that, um, you know, yesterday I did a podcast with my friend Sandra and we had Tanya Holland um, who runs um, uh, Brown Sugar Kitchen over here in Oakland. And she said the amount of people that have reached out to her in the last couple of months, even like James Beard Foundation wanting to put her on the panel and things like that. It's like, you know, at, at one point you're like, you're like, oh, that's really cool. And, and at the other end of the spectrum, you're like, where the fuck were you 10 years ago? Yeah. And, and also, I, you know, like, this is the thing. Like, I've done that. I mean, I've, I've done the Black Student Union College. I've done the Black Law Students Association of Law School. I've done that, right? And unless people, I, listen, like you say, we have to have conversations. We can't be shouting at each other, right? And real meaningful conversations. So a lot of this is, a lot of this is cosmetics. I'll be honest. Like, you know, I, it was, came to a point where I was like, I got to do me because on both sides, you know, people, people build careers off of moments like these, you know? And, and, um, and, and not in a good way, not, yeah. not really trying to facilitate like, wow, this is my moment. Let me jump forward. Let me be the voice of this or the voice of that. Like really not trying to facilitate things. And, you know, I've had people reach out to me, not any of those boards, but someone said, oh, you'd be good for that. Right. Because of my voice, you know, it's very unique. I'm trying to bring people together. You know, I'm not trying to, I'm, I, I'm about what's the positive here. I'm not pointing out pointing fingers and, you know, you know, someone once once told me, you know, like the Dalai said, when you point a finger, you got three pointing back at you. So this is on both sides, right? So, um, and I also believe if you have a goal, like if you have a goal, if you want to get something done, you're going to find a way to get it done. Like I, I, I said on another podcast, Jackie Robinson got spit on and the N-word called him every minute. He didn't fold like a house of cards, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, even like in the 90s, people called Michael Jordan the N-word. They're spitting, I mean, like, if, if you really have that goal, that focus, you're going to overcome that. Because, you know, my parent, my mother grew up in the South, you know, where 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 her brothers had to be in Fort Dark because they were about being lynched, right? So, like, mm-hmm. um, you know, like, they're, they're, like they're, there, are, there are inequities and everything. But also, I think a lot of the problem is a lot of people who are having these conversations, like having these conversations with you guys, like, there's, there's, diff- there's a difference in my world between someone who's racist and a blind spot, right? Like, I think a lot of white people have privileges, a blind spot. It's not, it's not that there's or this overarching racism line business. There's, this, there's a blind spot. You know, there's a blind spot. And if you, if you come at someone antagonistically, you're gonna, they're going to they're gonna push you away versus, okay, um, I mean, if it's that bad, how did Andre make it? How did Carlton make it? You know what I mean? How, how do other people make it, right? So, so it, it, a lot has to do with everyone's perspective and, and, you know, you try and widen that lens and say, okay, there are some issues, you know, and it's good that people look around like, why aren't there more black over here? Right. You know, and I'll make a joke because there's not enough Moscato at those industry tastings guys. Come on. Right. See, and that, and that's my problem is I look at things through the lens of comedy. And so lately at the hotel, like I'll see, I'll see a white woman with her, her black husband or boyfriend and, and I'll think, oh, before she would have been like, oh, she can't tell the parents. Now she's like, check me out. I'm woke as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I, mean oh. I did a wine tasting for, you know, for, for, for a friend and she's out of Atlanta. And, you know, but I was, I was, I said, you know, someone asked me, I said, listen, Moscato is great. It's a great, great Moscato Diaspi, Muscat Alexandra. You understand this is not, it's not, a, it's not a bullshit grape, right? But how it is often marketed and packaged to certain communities, you know, you know, 
you, I just tell people like you gotta you gotta be willing to try something different, right? You just gotta be able to try something yeah. different. And, and 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 that's the problem. Most people in this country are we're just fixed, right? They don't want to try anything different, you know? Yeah. So right. That's what was so great about the girl in the fig is that every day you had that opportunity. We have a restaurant out here that only serves roan varietals, and they're mostly locally grown. But it was it was one of those great things that when people would come in, you couldn't have a cab or a pinot or a zin or a chard or a sauvignon blanc. You had to drink Syrah, Grenache, Movedra, Roussan, Marsan, Grenache blanc. So every day it was like one of those moments where you're you're making people stand up on their desks like in the, the the Robin Williams movie and saying, I oh, want captain, you to go, my I, captain. I want you to look at the world from a different perspective. So they'd have to stand up on the table and drink something different. And then you'd have these people from like Alabama go, man, I can't wait to get home. We're going to buy some of that Grenache that we had um, um, at the girl in the fig. And you're like, that's all it took was right. that one, instead of them being comfortable that one day ordering the same thing that they always drank was just to, just to get it in their mouths. And you know, I just think also, I mean, it's, you know, even if even at ten dollars, right? Like a ten dollar bottle of vodka is gonna give you more bang for your buck than a ten dollar wine. Like if you want to get fucked up, right? Like so, right. like it's just like, you know, it, and I, you know, listen, I went to college, man. Drink malt liquor, you know. We drank all the shit, you know. Drink the old and English then, you know, down to the label, pour orange juice in it, yeah. get your <laughs> hand, and hope tomorrow comes. <laughs> you know, um, but it, it is it, a lot of it is just. So much in life is what you're exposed to. You know, um, like I said, I, I've done a lot of work with people in the success industry, and that's one of the, the most overlooked. It's your environment, right? You know, like people, we we love because this is what I do. I work with kids, right? So people love to tell the story about, um, you know, the kid with the single mom, and this is these are great stories, right? But that's that's not the norm, right? Like, yes, every now and then a rose will grow through a crack in the sidewalk. That's not the ideal environment for a rose, right? Just like certain grapes are suited to certain great environments and it's getting people black and white out of their environments into a, a safe, and this, is, this is a problem, it's a safe, a safe place and people willing to share ideas. So right. hopefully that's what's gonna happen, but we'll see. Well, and that's you know, actually the question that's been like nagging in the back of my head since we've started to you know, have this conversation about diversity in, in the wine business and you know, whether there's problems there or not, it seems like the sales side is a viable conduit for people to come from any, any background, any walk of life. You can, if you can talk to people and you can sell something, you can learn about wine and be successful there. Um, the thing that, you know, I look around and, you know, the, one of the reasons she's obviously uh, a, a savant and prodigy but one of the reasons that Brene Royal has created the waves that she's created is there's literally no one like her um and and I look around you know in the growers community and the, the farming side the production side and that's even even wider than the sales side and and for me I know that the only way that I would have any ability to be in this is because I was in it at a young age and because I had access to go out into the vineyard and, and feel what it's like to be in the vineyard and watch the process from, from a, you know, a bud from bud break to wine coming out of the press. How can we do better to get to, to reach the kids that you're working with Marvin? How do we get people out into the vineyard and, you know, and connect to the, to the farming side of it? Um, whether, you know, whether you're, whether you're black or you're white, if you grow up in an urban environment, how do you connect? 
how do we do a better job of connecting those I mean, those kids a, to the vineyard? That's a good question, actually. And, and actually, there's a guy, can't think of his name off the top, but he has, uh, you know, I would, what I would recommend, there's lots of urban gardeners, like in like in the Bronx, and they're definitely urban. I used to, I lived in Emeryville for a hot minute. There's right. urban garden, urban gardeners in, in place like, like, uh, you know, um, Emeryville, Oakland, the East Bay, uh, you know, reach out to them and, 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 and see if, you know, with COVID, but like, rent a school bus, take the kids, if the kids are already farming, take them out to see a whole different side of farming, you know? Right. So I, I think it's finding the right organizations to partner with. But again, like you made a very good point, like Brene's badass, but you know, when you hear a story, Brene also grew up in a predominantly white community. She was exposed right. to different things, right? It's exposure. I, I gotta be honest, I mean, yes, believe me, I get in my backstory, like I've actually been the victim of racial violence, like, you know, so racism exists, I'm not saying that, but like a lot of this is exposure and, and connecting, a lot of it in this business. And like you said, sales, that was my thing. I've done sales, I sold sneakers, I worked Reebok, I've done sales, I've sold, you know, worked, lived by the beach, I used to sell, you know, uh, uh, you know, don't walk by, give it a try, I used to hawk, you know, sell shots, you know, sell the, the boardwalk games. Um, and um, so it was very easy um, for me, you know, I have no fear of public speaking. The sales side could do a lot better, but I, you know, um, it, it, it is, it is, yeah, with the farming, I, there's a lot of urban farming programs. I would reach out to them and say, Hey, yeah. we're the Katori's. We have this, we have this, we have this biodynamic farm. We have this organic farm. Love to uh, bring some kids out, expose them to something that that's kind of what it takes. But even when I take kids, like I take kids from the inner city, um, a lot of times the first time they ever been out there town, like I've taken kids from New Haven, Connecticut to Western Massachusetts to visit college. And they're like, they're freaked out. They're like, oh, it's just, I can't live out. It's the country. Like, so there, there's just fear. It's just exposure, you know? Right, like, right. there's cows over there, Mr. T. They you call me, you know, there's cows over there, Mr. T. I, you know, I can't go to school here. I'm like, but you go to school here for free because they ain't got no black people. They want no black people. It's cheaper than going to UConn. Are you crazy? Yeah. Yeah, Sam, you know, on a, on a positive note, what I, what, I, what I do notice that's happening that I've seen happening at the hotel specifically recently is um, is black and white people having conversations. And it's, it's something that I, before I didn't notice as much as I'm noticing now that, um, you know, before there was still this, this sort of divide or this uncomfortableness, but I see people reaching out to each other on both sides, just wanting to have a conversation, say hello, where are you going for dinner? How was your day? Where did you guys go tasting today? It seems like it's a, it's almost like some sort of curtain has been lifted where it's okay for us to engage each other. And that, that is what I think has um, been really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Silver lining. Good. Yeah. Sam, I mean, you made me remind me of a story. Like, so I went to it when I was in the business really fully, you know, I'm coming back with a vengeance, number one rated podcast on iTunes coming soon. Um, uh, yeah, as long as we can be number two, I'm okay with that. Got it. Not that motivated. Exactly. We could we, start with a producer for one thing. Right. That's got real job. But like, I went to a wine tasting in LA with a really big uh, distributor, Chambers and Chambers, you know, mm -hmm. went to their tasting. And I was living in Santa Barbara and, you know, uh, you know, the guy wanted me to come down. He was, I'm, I'm a year in the business, two years in the business. He wanted to give me the West side of LA. That's because I knew wine and I knew how to talk to people. He knew I could sell. Right. So I, I've always, I'm fortunate. I've always experienced opportunity. Um, more at the high levels. It's, it's actually was tougher like to get a job. Like 
I, I, you know, I didn't think I was going to get a job at Whole Foods. Like literally, like I'd go to every liquor store. There was a liquor store right around the corner from my house. Um, and, and I have my resume, you know, first auctioneer as wine director here, Santa Barbara, this, that. And, 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 you know, I, and I would buy bottles from there from time to time. And the owner was like, he's like, you know, what? I'm like, I could sell wine. You got no one here to sell wine, you know, but he was more content with, um, just having people stock the shelves and the people buy whatever they want and, and letting his sales reps fill the store. I mean, and right. for me and how I took that and, and, and he was, he was not white. He was a person of color. Um, I, I was like, okay, buddy, that's cool. Leave, you're leaving money on the table. You know, I walk anywhere and I can increase your sales 30%. You know, I, you know, I just, because if you, I know how to take people on a journey, get them to the next level. But so I, I don't go, I didn't get mad. I didn't go give him a bad Yelp review. I was like, it's your loss. It's all good. <laughs> That's just kind of how I was raised. You know what I mean? My mom said, you know, why would you want to spend time around someone who wants to spend time around you? So, right. um, you know, yeah. um, but a lot of it is like you guys said, it's, it's, it's good to people have more conversation. It's, it's just uncomfortable. It's, there's an uncomfortable silence that needs that hopefully is broken, but I, I it's, it's not, it's, you know, you know, you have to understand. I said to someone else, Actually, I said to a Somalia, a prominent black one in San Francisco, a woman, I said, I don't think people understand how hard you work, though. Like, like, like you, just because you like wine and you have a Wissat one doesn't mean you're going to get a wine job. Sorry. Like, like, this is like anything else. We're talking high level, right? And then I never liked, you know, the whole set. I mean, then, then you got to go, well, then, then the NBA is racist because it's 90% black. Like, we, like, we, you, you like, like. We want to be inclusive, but we also have to understand we're playing the game we're playing, and we have to live up to those standards. That's what I would say. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of my, one of my, the funniest things I, that that I've seen in the last ten years, because it just it really hit home with me, is Louis Louis C.K., which I know he's not the darling to everyone right now, but he did a little bit. He did this bit where he was like about racism and and. Um, he said, you know, you're, you're in a, you're in a gas station, like a AM PM at, at like one in the morning and a white kid rolls in with a hoodie on and you're thinking, Oh, he's an athlete. And then, and then he said, five minutes later, a black kid walks in with a hoodie on and you're, and you're thinking, Oh, everything's okay. Everything's <laughs> fine. Everything's fine. So he says, it's that, that, that's so, it's a mild form of racism where it's, it's, it's so mild that it, and I thought that was a perfect description of it was, was it in your mind, there's something different. You're not exactly sure what it is. <laughs> you don't know how to express it. <laughs> but I think that's what a, a lot of people experience. And the, the thing is they don't talk about it. Right. 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 You know, and, and, and I mean, I get, it's hard to talk about, you know, um, but, but, you know, it, it's, it, 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 you know, the great thing about COVID, here's the great thing about COVID, we're, we're, you know, none of us can go in the bank anymore, right? Because you can't have your hat on and your mask, right? There's no way. FBI would be going crazy, right? So we're all, we're all black now. <laughs> right? It's that, and and what, what I think is weird that's happened too is this, that um, I'm doing Zooms with my family once a week that live in North Carolina, Virginia. Um, we wouldn't have done that before. There's something about this where we where communication has somehow gotten better in some ways, which is really strange. 
that we yeah i mean we have this tech we've had this technology like i've been on zoom since like 2010 it's been around for a long time but then COVID hit and they had like a million downloads in like six weeks and, and i say yeah. like we had we've had video conferencing for years we never used it you know right. um i mean i'll be honest i'm i'm a i'm a i'm i'm a in-person kind of guy but 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 this has allowed you know, this is allowing this to happen, right? Like, I, you right. know, I don't know when I would come out to Sonoma, you know, but now when I come out, I know I got peeps to visit. Yeah. Yep. And one of, you know, one of my favorite things, time. I've, I've never done the virtual reality before, um, but one of the most interesting things, because I'm, I'm not a big video gamer, one of the most interesting things that I've heard that they're working on is virtual reality for basically for this, for meeting people through phone calls or video chats, but you get to pick the setting. So like you could say, all right, Sam, tomorrow at one o'clock, I'm going to meet you in virtual world. We're going to be on Cam 2 Beach on Maui, sitting in deck chairs, you know, <laughs> sitting on the beach watching the waves break. And the two of you can put your goggles on and you'll actually virtually be sitting there having a talk, but you'll actually be at home doing that. I, I think that is one of the, the coolest applications. I think if they can get that to happen. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever tried the VR. Sandra just got VR yesterday for doing meditation, and she said it's a game changer. I'm actually reading a book about VR right now. It's pretty funny you said that, um, and it it's it is pretty um, bananas. Um, and and you know, it's the future, right? We're living well, in. How many people will want to live in that some sort world. of future? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, you know, this it it. Um, in a, in, it fits Paul Mabry's version of what the future of the wine business is, which is, you know, this is just the beginning of, of tourism becoming harder. People, you know, not wanting to travel because it's expensive or because the environmental impacts and, and being able to take what we do anywhere in the world. And that's what we've done with the virtual tastings. And, and it sounds like you're doing some of those too, MJ. Uh, but imagine if we could do, a virtual wine tasting where everybody, you know, puts the, the virtual reality goggles on and we're standing in the middle of Muchas Piedras or the yes. Ross yes. or Mayacamas yeah. or Oakville Ranch, you know, I yeah. mean, to, to, to be able to make that link. Um, and, and maybe this is part of the solution for what we were just talking about too, MJ is, is to get people out into the vineyard and see what it's like and what it looks like and how it feels and even if it's a virtual way um you know to to expand that access because you know to go out into the k-back vineyard with danny fay you gotta know danny fay um mm -hmm. but but to be able to do it from you know your your office in new jersey or you know wherever you are um that's a an opportunity and something that we really need to look at because um you know even if we're at paso in april tourism and, and travel isn't going to be the same for a long time yeah yeah well yeah. Bart, you've started sort of started this journey you got the little i think it was was it jeff bunchu that hooked you up told you about the little like kind of like a so, selfie yeah, stick for your phone yes, but i i have and and it's i've i've videoed a bunch um released very little because okay. it's a matter of getting comfortable in front of that camera and um trying to just talk as opposed right. to feeling scripted and stuff. And right. um, so I'm working on it. I'm hoping that by the time harvest starts, I can have it going and, you know, have it kind of running while we're doing work. And because um, people seem to be hungry for it, you know, they, they want to see what's going on in real time. I think that's um, the so first we'll step. I think it's the first step to what we're talking about. And Sam, I think you guys, it would be great for you to do this as well. Just doing some videos, like you said, in Muchas Piedras 
or in Rossi Ranch, where people can just sit down. I, I find myself on YouTube watching someone walk down the streets of Manhattan on a night where it's raining. They have these great like 4K videos and, and you can go anywhere in the world. It's, it's pretty cool. And if you can do that in the vineyard where you're sitting there just talking in the vineyard where people can pan left, pan right, and you can see the grapes growing and they're sitting there tasting the wine, it's a very different experience. And then take it to another level. I really wanna next year start a tour company. I've even thought of a name called Sight where you don't even ever go step inside of a tasting house, where all you do is go visit actual vineyards where we set up tables in vineyards and you drink the wines from that vineyard sitting down in the middle of the vineyard. The opportunity to purchase wines is there if you wanna buy wines from that vineyard, but it's more about creating the exper the, uh, an experience for people where they're getting um, a very different um, feel for what, what the, um, for what we go through, for what we do. Like for me, walking Rossi ranches, it's like going to church. Um, mm -hmm. um, you know, and once I'm there, I want to roll the windows down. I want to hear the quietness and I want to hear the gentle rustling of the, of the leaves. It's just a, it's a very different thing than walking into a tasting room. Um, Bam, so, do you want to tell them about the compliance um, issues with all that? No, 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 don't tell me. <laughs> Fuck it. There's no rules anymore. There's no rules oh, anymore. Right. There's I no mean, rules anymore. We're selling alcohol to go, so they're, I, I'm thinking I'm going to be the last Cocktails of their Cocktails in Ziploc bags from fancy restaurants, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, then, and then, Bart, since we did uh, mention Jeff, do you just want to let people know um, about the whole Metallica experience in case they want to go on and find that? Oh, I, you know, um, so about a week ago, Jeff Bunchu dropped, he took over the Instagram account of Gunlock Bunchu and just like dropped that something might, that Metallica might have recorded a concert somewhere in Sonoma and then left it at that. And so Metallica- well, he made it seem like it hadn't happened yet almost. So then he did. He a did. lot of people were like, hey, can, do you need a photographer? Do you need a caterer? Do you right. need, yeah. So what happened, it was, it was like, it was like <laughs> 10, 10 days between from when the management contacted him till it happened. And they came in on Sunday, set it up, rehearsed Sunday night, shot it on Monday. Um, and, and that's it. And, and Jeff and his wife, Liz, were literally the only ones there except for the Metallica crew. And um, uh, it was not really amplified because they're recording it for this drive-in movie that they're doing and so then this week tickets were released it's all going to be broadcast on the same day at the same time theoretically at drive-in movies and gunlock bunchu is showing it um at their place but it's sold out but okay. jeff did show me a picture and it's an epic picture because it's metallica in their parking lot on a stage and all you see behind them is sonoma valley with the sun setting uh, it, it's a pretty epic picture. So, nice. um, but yeah, no, I mean, Jeff was totally, and if you know Jeff, it kills him not to like be able to tell all of his friends. That and this to invite everybody and, over. And <laughs> Right. He said right. at one point he was thinking about telling a group of people that they should drive out to the end of Thornsbury and sit at the gate. Um, but he'd also realized that you'd never, you wouldn't really hear anything. You'd hear a drummer and, you know, and a little bit of guitar. And, and then right. he said, and a lot of lights. So, yeah, um, I, met, I mentioned that to Sandra the other day and she said, oh, yeah, um, she was supposed to cater, but they had already sold the food truck. 
She said, yeah, Jeff, Jeff reached out to me and said, hey, are you available Friday, Saturday, Sunday? I can't tell you what it's for, but uh, we, we'd love to have you cater it. And she was like, ah, fuck, we already, we sold the food truck. And then, yeah. and then she said that uh, Saul knew about it, Saul Gropeman, the owner of Cafe La Haye, because, you know, he's a classically trained guitarist. I guess he jams with, uh, with those guys every now and then, I, which well, I, can't, I, mean, I can't envision, because Saul plays like that stuff where it's like the, like the old music with like the people with the dusty wigs or whatever, you know, like the, <laughs> where people are, you know, they're dancing like this. And I can't imagine. Here we go with our moves again. I can't imagine him sitting down with the guys from Metallica playing like that 17th Shredder. century Shredder. Baroque mm -hmm. stuff. It's kind of crazy. But anyway, I thought we'd get that out there if people want to um, um, check it out. You can see our local Gunlock Bunch who, um, uh, and Metallica, who I, I guess two of the guys live here locally, right? Well, uh, Kirk Hammett is my parents' neighbor. Okay. Uh, up, up the hill. Uh, okay. You know, it is the most unmetallica like setting. You know, it's like this bucolic pond and a windmill and this little like horse rink. You know, not there's no there's no like bats and the 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 gate isn't even like wrought iron black. It's you well, know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's the yin and the yang thing, right? Totally, I mean, totally. that's, that's what they are well, when when they're out there on stage. Uh, right, and but the other thing is Metallica has had its own. Sorry, Sam. Metallica's evolved a lot from you know their first albums, which was death metal that people were like afraid of, to you know almost being commercially accepted now. Um, and then right, jamming so. with the symphony at uh, wasn't that the right. first show at our new uh, at, at, at Oracle? Lawyers, or, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, or not Oracle. What are they calling it? Whatever the fuck. I don't it. know. Chase yeah. Center. Uh, right. No, the funniest thing is you know we've had the opportunity because Kirk is my parents' neighbor to. To, you know, he hooks us up every once in a while with a backstage kind of thing, and you'll see him backstage like in seconds before going on stage, and he's all laid back and big smile, and he waves, and he's like the sweetest, quietest guy on the planet. And then he gets on stage, and it's like he gets into that death metal mode, and you're like, that's not the same person that was like literally <laughs> walked up those stairs. Yeah, get the persona. Yeah, <laughs> they're they're pros. They're pros. Yeah. All right, guys, let's wrap it up. MJ, give people a like. Um, how they can get in touch with you to get on the mailing list so that when everything starts happening, they can be one of the first in. Thank you so much. Yeah. So, um, yeah, see, we're not doing video. I got my black wine guy t-shirt. I know. Right? That's uh, a good, sure. We might so, need some shirts actually. Yeah, I'm going to get you, I'm going to, I'm going to have to do a run of shirts. Um, they, they simply go to blackwineguy.com. You get on my mailing list. Um, you know, I email once a week, but you'll be the first to know when the podcast comes out. Um, like I said, I, it's, it's going to come out um, before the end of September. Um, very excited. Um, just It's just, uh, you know, so many things. Like, I think this is, a, I can be a part of, uh, like, have more conversations like we had today, you know, with people. Yeah. Um, but, but just really drink some good wine. And, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be about beats, wines, and life, you know. And uh, that's my life. Yeah. <laughs> that's need. Hey, hey MJ, much. give us. Hey, MJ, give us a shot of that shirt one more time so we can use that to help promote you. Oh, uh, yeah, hold on. You got to Get to your camera. Yeah. We're all, cool. there's the picture. It's us all taking pictures. Sure. Of MJ right. standing there with this shirt. <laughs> this, again, this is why we don't put the fucking video out. <laughs> Holy shit. This is like old episodes of the Howard Stern show. It's like totally weird. <laughs> right. let, me, let me get mine so I can just like, okay, I got a picture of you guys. Hey, Black Wine guy, my life is real. Oh, yeah, get that label in there, Sam. I got the label in there, you know. Sam's, all, <laughs> Sam's always on brand, man. Always on brand. Marketing mastermind. <laughs>
Oh, there we go. <laughs> Boom, got you. <laughs> All right, guys. If you want to check out some of our past episodes, you can go to radiomisfits.com backslash the winemakers. Uh, we appreciate you listening. We'll look forward to talking to you next week. Thank you, guys. Review, review yeah, subscribe, you. subscribe, review. That's how it spreads. There you go. MJ, good talking to you. Good to meet you virtually. Look forward to you coming out here. We'd love to host you in any way we can. And definitely Bart and I will put together uh, some wine to send your way. Oh, a little yeah, care package. Sure. You know what? I will include, I hope the USPS isn't listening. Can I include a couple bottles of Roussan if we get it bottled in a little well, while? Well, the USPS doesn't ship wine, but yeah, uh, yeah we can do it. That's how much I know. <laughs> and especially, especially now. <laughs> hey, guys, really, thank you. I really, thanks for following, but thanks for just, like, kicking it with me. This is really cool. I appreciate you. And I really can't, I mean, it, I have so many people to visit up, up and down the coast of California. I can't wait, man. It's going to be bananas. Great. Awesome. Awesome. All Thank right, you, you guys. Thanks, MJ. We'll talk to you. Take care, guys. You guys later. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.